Hi, you're listening to Sundays at Sherman Bible. We're really glad you chose to join us today. The following message is from our pastor, Dennis Henderson. Wow. You may be seated. Great worship this morning, great celebration, and in a moment we're going to celebrate communion together. It's been said that everybody loves a parade. I don't know if that's true. Because, you know, parades are really kind of against the nature of our society, isn't it, what we do? We're in a rush, and parades are slow. Uh, They're very, I mean, you know, they're predictable. You know what's going to happen almost. And have you ever noticed a parade? It kind of doesn't end. It's like there's no end. It just kind of disperses, and next thing you know, have another commercial, and it's over. Well, today's Palm Sunday, and today began 2,000 years ago almost with a parade. And so parades aren't something new. Parades have been around for a long time. So let me take you back to that Palm Sunday where this parade took place. It actually was a simple parade compared to what they were used to because what they were used to were the Roman parades. And the Romans' parades, of course, took place in Rome. And they always came about by a permit. You'd have to get a permit to have a parade. And really, the only ones that got permit were the military guys. And this is the qualification to have a parade. First of all, you had to have a military victory. Second part of it, the general would have had to kill over 5,000 people on the death list that day. And so that had to be one of the requirements. And then not only that took place, they either had to gain also some lands. They had to capture some more territory because, as you know, the Roman Empire that day was starting to spread throughout the whole world. And so those things would give you the right to have a parade. Now, if you're going to have the parade, which they would do, I mean, it was something. It was well-ordered, well-planned. And the way it would take place is, is that at the edge of the city, starting down the streets, would be the general who had won the parade on a great chariot pulled by the most brilliant, I mean, horses of that day. It would be decked out with gold and everything, and people would stand and cheer as he would come in. Then behind him were some of his best warriors. And then behind that was the victory. They would bring in, hopefully, their best warriors, chained, handcuffs. They would bring in carts of gold and precious treasures that they had taken from their enemies. And all these carts, and the people would see, you know, all the wealth that they had gathered from that. And then, hopefully, they hadn't killed the general of the opposing army, and he would come in last, and they would mock him. And the whole parade would end at the Colosseum. If you've seen Gladiator, you got a little idea. You say, what would take place? That whole, all their captures would be taken into the Colosseum and wild beasts would be let loose to be devoured. And the people would stand, packs Colosseum of people and cheer because they'd had a great victory. And the general and his soldiers would, stand, would be standing, and the people would, would, would look towards them and cheer, and, of course, the king would stand beside them with approval. That's what the Roman parade was like. 
The parade that we know of today that celebrates and begins the Holy Week, we call it Palm Sunday. This parade didn't take place in Rome. It took place in Jerusalem. The word Jerusalem, the Jewish word, is, 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 it comes from the word of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which means the city of peace. In the day that Jesus lived, that first century, it really wasn't a city of peace in the heart of the Jews. Oh, there was no war going on because Roman soldiers were everywhere to make, make sure there was peace. But in the heart of the Jews, they knew there was anger in their heart because of the fact they had no king. Their city had been controlled. Their money goes to Caesar. And so down in their hearts was no peace. But yet that day, a parade started. Let's read about it. Mark, take your Bible. Very quickly, all four Gospels will tell about it. If you'll notice in your program this morning for your scripture reading for the week, we take you through every day of the last week of Christ. A great reading for you this week. And you'll read today's study on Sunday, all four Gospels about this parade, we're going to choose Mark's. They're very similar, but Mark reads like this. It says in verse 4, after Jesus had commanded them in the first part of the chapter to go get a colt, it says they went and they found a colt outside in the street and they tied, tied at a doorway and they untied it. And some, people, and some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying the colt? And they answered, as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead of him and those who followed him shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one coming, the king of our, of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem, and he went to the temple, and he looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This parade that Jesus had that day, compared to a Roman parade, was totally different, wasn't it? No golden chariots, no captives. No list of 5,000 dead people, no territories to claim, no carts of gold, silver, and possessions. It was just Jesus on a simple donkey riding into town. And that's the contrast between the two parades. Would you take your pause button and press it right there for a minute, everybody? Just go ahead. Do that. Put pause. You ready? Our hard drive's going to stop. We'll come back to that parade to the ending of it. What I want you to do is look inside the parade a little more, and that is, you know, as you look at that parade as Jesus came into town and you saw what was going in place, the people, if you read all four Gospels, you find out who was watching the parade. First, it was just the local people. Some were coming out of the fields, and they heard a few people saying, Hosanna, so they came. And the only thing they could bring with them was palm leaves, so they threw them out in front of him. There was local people who heard noise joined in. There was people coming out of the villages that had been following Jesus for this journey because they were, they'd seen the miracles and the signs and the wonders. Some of them had been healed themselves. There was Lazarus coming from Bethany who had been raised from the dead, as you read the Gospels. He was joining the parade, his 12. And before you know it, it collected a lot of noise. 
from the local people. There was hundreds of thousands of Jews around Jerusalem, outside and everywhere, coming to Jerusalem for that week because later on that week, the Jews would celebrate their most sacred time of all, the Jewish Passover. And they would come to Jerusalem, the capital of their worship, to do that. And so many Jews, no doubt, saw this. And they heard about, as they shouted, King of David, the son of King of David, the one that's coming to throne. They started to join in out of ignorance, but they would join in, thousands of them. No doubt Gentiles who are doing their daily dues and, and their daily routines at the marketplace heard the noise. They came to watch. And, of course, standing over in the shadows were the Roman soldiers to make sure that the peace would remain, that nothing would break out of control. And, of course, watching very closely were the Pharisees, the religious watchdogs who were just waiting somehow to get enough evidence to get rid of Jesus. Those are the people. You say, what else was going on in, in that? And what was going on, on on this thing with the donkey? The particular ride of Jesus? He told them to go get it. Remember, if you read back, he told them exactly where it would be. And he would tell them to find this colt that had never been broken. And you say, why did Jesus do that? Well, number one, if Zechariah 9.9 said your king would come in on a colt. And so it's a fulfillment of 100 years of prophecy that went before him. That Zechariah prophesied that the king would come in like that. But he knew most of all that this was the card he was throwing down to take the Pharisees over the edge. He started the parade. He's the one that actually did. He said, go get me a donkey. He had never been on a beast, as far as we know, in three and a half years of public ministry. We never see Jesus on any animal. He walked everywhere. The only transportation he ever did, he took a boat once in a while. And that was always fascinating. <laughs> see what he'd do with that. Would we walk on the water or would we get in the boat? But that's the only thing. He never rode an animal because he saved that to the end to ride a donkey into Jerusalem, and a parade would follow it, and he knew that's all he needed to do to set in motion the most important week of his life that would lead to Calvary. He ordered the parade himself, though they didn't realize it. And as he rode in, it was an unbroken donkey, and there's no record that it was bucking and jumping. Why? Because the king of kings, the one who controlled all creation, Set on it. No problem for him. And so they entered in. The people. <laughs> a mixture, mixed responses. Wasn't there? People just celebrating, not knowing why a parade's happened unless you get in. Some were very thankful in their celebration. That was their response. And I'm sure every Roman soldier stood over in the sideline just sneering, thinking, this is ridiculous. Is this a parade? I mean, a donkey, some palm leaves, a few coats on the ground, and one Jew? Where are the captives? Where's the treasures? And I'm sure the, the, the Roman soldiers just stood over and watched it and just sneered, laughed, punched each other. I thought, what kind of parade is this? And the Pharisees stood over and watched it, and they were infuriated. 
king of the Jews, throne of David. This is all we need. We got him. A variety of responses that day. Jesus planned it. That's the way he did it because he knew. He knew that on that day, he had to start what was planned before the foundations of the earth. And that was a cross. And that a week from today, 2,000 years ago, we would celebrate a resurrection to validate what took place on the cross. What took on place on a cross could have been a common day outside of one thing, a resurrection. Anybody could be crucified, any criminal. Anybody could say, I've done miracles and stuff, I guess, if you wanted to, but no one could rise from the dead. And Jesus knew to get from this Sunday to the next Sunday, he had to set in motion a whole week suffering, betrayal, pain, beating, illegal trials, a crucifixion so that a resurrection could come. That's what started that day. Today, about 2,000 years later, we sit here, we call it Palm Sunday. But we might not grasp, unless you read through all the scriptures this week, how important this week was and how it was planned before the foundations of the earth. This was not a mistake. It wasn't the last moment. Hey, I think I'll find a donkey. No. He knew from all the way from Zechariah that, that he would have a donkey. He'd planned that for this parade. Release the button again, will you? The parade, did it just kind of disperse that day? It didn't end in the Colosseum. It ended at the temple, it said. Jesus walked into the temple that day. And if you notice, he just looked around. He did a little survey. It was Sunday afternoon. He said, I'm going to go out to Bethany and have dinner with my 12. But he came back the next day on Monday. And boy, he came back strong. Because all four gospels says he came in and he cleansed the temple. Read about it this week. And so the parade that seemed to disperse really was just kind of taking an assignment for a moment because the next day, though it didn't look like a parade, the journey would continue from Monday, a cleansing of a temple, to controversy on Tuesday, to rest on Wednesday, to Thursday, to the Last Supper, to Thursday night, to a garden, to beating to trials until early Friday morning when the sun broke, hung on a cross. You say, was that the end of the parade? Not really. Because Jesus knew that when he hung on a cross that it seemed like it was all over, he knew that it was just beginning. He knew that it would be different than the Roman parade because the Roman parade brought in captives. Enemies that had been captured. Jesus' parade, according to Paul, those who were enemies with God, when they brought into Jesus' contact, they came at peace with him. And they were set free. His parade, he knew, would go on just a few days later where he would capture 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. 
5,000? No problem, because they turned the page. It says 5,000 men were captured and set free because of faith in Jesus Christ. You keep turning the pages, the book of Acts, and it goes on and on. It says that they were multitudes and numbers they could not count that were set free. And so in reality, the parade didn't stop that day on Sunday. It didn't even stop at the end of the week. It didn't even stop at a resurrection. The parade was just getting started. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and the parade continues. You know why? Because the same thing that Jesus planned that day to set captive free still sets free. You're sitting here today because Jesus set you free. I stand here today because God saw a 12-year-old kid captive by alcohol, broken home, Juvenile home, drunkenness all around him, dysfunction, captive to sin. And Jesus saw that blonde-headed kid, and he came into that home, and he set us free. And we got to get in on a parade. All parades are celebrated. You know that? You celebrate at a parade. You cheer. You stand in awe of beauty. The parade that Jesus calls us to continues, my friend continues today. In Fossil Creek at the Marriott Fairfield Inn, when you check in, this is what takes place. And there's a little card there you have to read before you sign in. And this is, they ask you to read it in front of them. And this is what it says. It says, we understand that hotels are the ideal place to celebrate adventures. However, Problems occur when celebrations happen because it disturbs the other guest. In order that we may help prevent any problems, we have a few simple rules. Parties will not be tolerated in your rooms. If you disturb your guest, you will be asked to leave. You can consider this notice before you sign because if, 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 you have to, if we have to contact your room, you will be asked to leave. Thank you for staying with us and enjoy your stay, the Fairfield Inn, Fossil Creek. Basically telling you what? No parties here. When you come into the parade here, you don't have to sign that. In fact, when you come into his parade, he's asking you to sign another thing. It says, we will celebrate. I will leave you pictures. I will give you things to take. I will give you songs to sing. I will give you celebration constantly. For out of my mouth and from my heart, I will celebrate the greatest parade of all time, that Jesus came to set the captive free. And that's what this week starts. We call it a holy week. There's many dark spots in this week. But in Jesus' mind, every dark moment in his week that we celebrate this week were nothing but celebrations for a resurrection and for captives to be set free. This week, I hope you will seriously, in preparation for next weekend, take the scriptures that are in your bulletin and every day Spent significant time reading the celebration. Well, Jesus knew the celebration wasn't really over with the palm leaves there 
He knew that 2,000 years later, sitting in Sherman, Texas, would be a house full of people celebrating. He knew there'd be people in a baptism water this service and next service. He knew that this morning and in a moment, we're going to take of a cup and celebrate what he's done. He also knew, also knew that this afternoon at 4 o'clock, we'll come back to celebrate. And the parade continues. No Colosseum for the end. Was it really dispersed? No. The parade actually ends. Do you know that? And it's not in a Colosseum. Look up on the screen. Here it is. It's out of Revelation. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from every tribe, from every people and every language standing before the, before the throne and in front of them the Lamb. Notice this. They were wearing white robes. And notice the next phrase. And they were holding palm branches. Just as it began, it ends. We're going to be holding palm branches in our hands. And they cried out in one loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God and he who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne because you can't set when you celebrate. And you'll celebrate around the throne, the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength to be our God forever and ever. Amen. It's not going to be a coliseum. It's going to be the new heaven. There won't be wild lions. There'll be a lamb. There won't be captives held in chains. There'll be us loosed with our hands in the air with palm branches. And we'll be celebrating because it's the longest parade in history. And it begins today in our celebration. It continues this evening. And next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we will celebrate with loud voices that we've been set free. I hope you can join in that parade. And it might be today that you need to join in the parade. You need to come. As I did many years ago as a junior high student, and say, Jesus, take all of the chains off. And he did. And he freed me. And he forgave me. And in just a few moments, we'll celebrate the memory of that with a cup representing the blood that went on the cross and came, flowed to our hearts, representing a broken body that he went through the pain so that we might be free. And in preparation for that today, as we do every Sunday, we pray. But today we pray out of celebration. Today we pray with thankfulness. And so in a moment, we will pray. Yes, we have some normal things we pray for for our team in Italy, the Philip Pace and his family. We pray for the Bible Baptist Church, Grace and Bible Baptist Church over on 1417. But today, let's just spend part of our time thanking God preparing our hearts. And today you might be one that says, you know what, I've never got in on a parade. I've, I'm a captive who's never been set free. I've never had faith in Christ like you're talking about. Well, when we stand to pray in a moment, we're going to have people down here, and they're going to pray with you. 
if you'd like to come and pray with them. Or maybe today you say, I've come to this room and maybe you have sickness, maybe you have a friend that's sick, maybe you have a loved one that needs to be prayed for. He said, I'd like for someone to pray with me about that. Well, when we pray in a moment, people will be down here and you can, they'll be love, they'd love to pray with you. So let's stand and let's prepare our hearts and let's just pray together. Some of our leaders are down here, pastors, elders, other leaders, prayer leaders. They want to pray with you. And as they pray with you, just slip down if you'd like to. And uh, you have a need in your life. Maybe you know someone you'd like for, to join in and pray for. Might be that you say, Dennis, I, I just need some help today. These folks are down here all along the front. Come and pray with them, all right? And you say, if I don't want, need to pray there, but I want to pray here. Well, pray by yourself. Pray with those around you. But let's thank God for what he's done. And then not only that, let's prepare our hearts in prayer. So let's pray together now. Thanks for listening. For more information, feel free to visit our website at shermanbible.com or call anytime during our office hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 p.m. at 903-893-7795.